Good morning. I'm glad to be here with you all. Hope things are well your way. I'm going to adjust this uh, stand down a little bit because I'm a preacher, not a singer. Um, so I need to lay this back a little bit. Well, good morning. Um, yeah, it's a, God gave me a, a ministry that I don't deserve, and um, I got numbers after my name. I'm a CPA, and I'm a CFO, and those sorts of things. Um, honestly, though, um, God gave me a ministry I don't deserve. God gave me a salvation I don't deserve. And um, while I'm thankful for those things, um, there are titles that I value more. Um, dad is one. Loving husband is one. Don't you value those titles better than like, your job title? Um, bond slave of Jesus is one too, right? And I do have a special needs child. And so we're going to kind of tear apart the section of Scripture um, from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, that um, references a father's love for his son who is um, facing challenges. So I'm going to read that to you out of the New Living Translation of God's Word, and you can follow along on the screen. The Bible says when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet Him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk, and whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire of the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone with the, in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast, that, cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and its truth, its inerrant, everlasting truth. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who came to earth performed miracles, loved on people, confronted um, religious corruption. He was crucified. He died and was buried and rose again from the dead, demonstrating and validating that Jesus is who He says He is, the Almighty Son of God. Holy Spirit, I ask that You have free reign to touch hearts and change lives this morning, and I pray that everything that is said and done 
bring glory and honor to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to make a few points, and the first point is simply this, is that Jesus shows up and a dad speaks up. Jesus shows up and a dad speaks up. You see, Jesus observes a large crowd having an argument. And although Scripture doesn't say what the argument's about, I think one could correctly conclude that it likely centered around a dad and his son. A dad and his son that is dealing with demon possession. And the dad speaks to Jesus and he tells him, that this dad tells him what's happening to his son. And I want you to notice that he's a desperate dad. A desperate dad. And he tells him, not just, oh my son, this is happening to my son, but he goes into great detail. He describes that he can't talk. He describes seizures. He describes the boy being slammed to the ground. He describes foaming at the mouth. He describes teeth grinding and becoming stiff. And then his dad goes on to make an interesting point. His dad says, hey, I brought him to your God." to take care of it, to cast out the evil spirit. But they failed. They couldn't do it. And understand that the disciples were doing this in the name of Jesus. They had done this before. And they had success. But they ran up against a different level of evil. Does that make sense? Run into something different, and they weren't ready for it. I want you to see that the dad describes a situation and describes what was just probably another failure in a long list of letdowns regarding the boy he loves. It was just more reinforcement for dad that the situation is hopeless. It's never going to change. More reinforcement that the boy he loves is never going to be well. It's never going to change. So can you imagine dad's disappointment? Jesus is there. The disciples tried to bring healing. The disciples failed. And it's just another crushing blow for a dad that desperately loves his son. Parents, how many of you have sons and sons or daughters, or had, uh, have sons or daughters that are young, or have sons or daughters that are adults? A show of hands. If I asked you how much you loved your kids, you probably couldn't describe it any better than this much, or something like that, right? You love your child. So imagine if this was you, and this is what you're facing. Another crushing blow, it's never going to get better, let down after let down. And Susan Perryman wrote an article called Six Secrets of Strong Special Needs Dads, and she makes a couple points. The first one you'll find on your screen is that special, and you won't, well, yeah, you won't, there you go. Special needs dads um, suffer silently with broken hearts. You see, these dads are productive and they find their dose of happy, but it doesn't mean they're not heartbroken. You see, dads have dreams too. And a lot of times when this child is born and they find out that it's a disabled child, 
they have to redefine those dreams. And those dreams get wiped out. She goes on to say, I watch my husband wipe away single stray tears at unexpected moments. I can feel the grief in his quiet breathing at night. When he's awake, when he should be sleeping, I feel the heaviness in his heart when we talk about the future and his fear that he won't be there for his child. When other men hear him speak in detail about his amazing child, often the other men don't say anything. And sometimes they even apologize. Special needs dads also struggle with being the protector. You see, we as men want to fix everything, right? So my wife comes to me and she's upset and she wants to talk. I want to fix it and all she wants me to do is love on her and hear her. But we as men like to fix things. And special needs dads struggle with being the, protect, the protector you can't protect your families from harms. There's too many forces. And special needs dads have this in their face all the time. Calls in the middle of the night in the form of a sick child. Forms of a new diagnosis. And no matter how many times they take precautions, how present they are, how hard they work, how hard they try, fathers of children with disabilities see their child and family experience pain over and over and over again. And this dad in Scripture sees his son experiencing pain over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he couldn't fix it. About two years ago, my son, who has severe autism and who's nonverbal, entered puberty. He's 15 now. And something strange happened when the autism collided with the puberty. And that is, he became very violent overnight. Showed no evidence of this before. Um, began to physically assault me and his mom, Shelly, and his caregivers at school. So much so that the day before he was hospitalized, in a period of 20 hours, which included 8 hours of sleep, he attacked Shelly and I 20 times. I know this because we logged it down. I bear hundreds of scars on my body. My wife bears more. My wife's arms are so cut up you would think she had a skin disease. We ended up having to put Jimmy and Kennedy Krieger in the inpatient program for 4 months. Thank the Lord Jesus, he's doing better. He's on some meds, and we do experience aggressions from time to time. But I went into that place, and I saw something interesting. I saw children with autism that would literally have to wear helmets because to keep themselves from punching their face in, their own face in. I saw one child with padding from the top of his head to his feet because otherwise he would hurt or kill himself because he would physically throw himself into walls. And I watched the caregivers wear Kevlar. This is serious business. So moms and dads, when you were in the hospital, and you held your baby boy and girl, you might have said, this is Melanie, or this is Joey, or this is Timmy, or this is Jill. And maybe one day she'll be a doctor, or a lawyer, or maybe he'll be a preacher, or an or a architect. 
But I can tell you no mom and dad holds their child in the hospital and says, I can't wait till he or she's a teenager so he can beat me up. Can you imagine this dad's pain? Because a lot of times we read Scripture and we just don't understand or don't embrace the emotion that's behind it. This dad is in pain. He's watching his son being killed in front of him. And he can't do anything about it. Jesus comes on the scene. And He instructs that the boy be brought to Him. And Jesus does what only Jesus does. Which is He begins to work. And so the boy was brought to Jesus. And the evil spirit sees Jesus. And Scripture says in the second half of Mark 9.20 that when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. So let me ask you this. If I'm here at church with you, and you don't know me, and my son starts having a seizure, you're likely to do one of two things. You're likely to either stand there and not know what to do, or try to come to the aid of my son, right? If you look at Scripture, Jesus didn't do either of those things. But it does say He started talking to the dad. Don't you find that interesting? He didn't rush to the boy immediately. He began to talk to the dad. He asks him, how long has this been happening? So I want you to imagine the implications of the question. Hey dad, how long has your son been experiencing this horror? Hey dad, how long have you been in this pain? You see, because Jesus just doesn't love the boy, he loves the dad. And Jesus is going to do something amazing in a few minutes. And you see, the son is suffering, and the dad's in pain. And not just little pain, it's great pain. It's the kind of pain that hurts, even though you're not physically hurt. You know what I'm talking about, right? That kind of pain. I'd rather have someone put me on the ground, put their knee in my chest, and beat my face in, than to deal with that kind of pain. You're not unfamiliar with the pain if you don't have a disabled family member. It's the kind of pain that maybe when someone in your family receives a terminal cancer diagnosis, a physical disfigurement, the victim of an affair. You know what I'm talking about, right? That kind of all-consuming, unrelenting pain. The problem in special needs families is that it never goes away. Unless something goes horribly wrong, God will take me home long before Jimmy. It's this kind of pain that if it's not managed properly, it will destroy you. It's that kind of pain. The cut dads, the kind I know we don't like to cry in front of people. I get that we're dudes. But it's a kind of pain that causes you to cry when you're not expecting it. Maybe when you're alone. The kind of pain that causes you to weep as you scream towards God. Why Him? Why not me? I'm big. I can take it. Why Him? See, the dad describes to Jesus that the demon is trying to kill his boy. Throws him around like a rag doll. 
And then the dad does something interesting in Mark 9.22. And none of this is scripted. You can feel this, this is a passionate exchange. This is very emotional. And, and the father says to Jesus, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Notice the dad in his unrehearsed response didn't involuntarily say the words, help him. What did he say? You all know what he said. Us help us. It's an acknowledgement that they're in this together, that they're both in pain, that they both need healing, that the dad loves his son, that we're a team, and if you heal the son, you're healing the dad. All that in the help us. And you see, the dad has likely experienced so much pain and so much hurt and so much disappointment and so much letdown that he says to Jesus to help them if you can. He's just being honest. He doesn't know. This has been going on for years. No one's been able to help. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything's possible if a person believes. Now listen, Jesus isn't talking down to him. It's like, you know, what do you mean if I can? Anything's possible. Don't lose hope. And what does the Father, what does Scripture say? The Father instantly cries out. That doesn't mean He said, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He screams. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Can you hear His desperation? He wants His Son to be well. And Jesus gives Him hope. But the dad's been through the mill. And time and again, his hope has been dashed. Experience taught him things will never be different. You see, the dad was just being honest. So aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say this? Well, you believe, but that's not enough. Aren't you glad he didn't say, well, you have doubt. So now you're disqualified. But come back when you're closer to God, you're more of a spiritual giant and worthy of my touch, and I'll do it. But that's not what he said, is it? You see, I'm so glad I serve a God that understands the human condition, that understands our pain, and that brings love and healing. So what does Jesus do? He heals the boy. Jesus said, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Now, I want to show you something interesting. Do you remember when Jesus says in another part of Scripture, hey, you cast out a demon, he goes out searching for more, and he may bring back seven more evil than himself? What does he tell this demon to do? You ain't coming back. Ain't happening here. Go take it somewhere else. Ain't happening here. And can you imagine the boy is free and the dad is free because Jesus not only healed the boy, He healed the dad. Jesus truly did help the us, right? He truly did. But you see, you should understand, you ever heard the phrase, different levels, different devils? You ever heard that phrase? Different levels, different devils? Not all evil is created equal. The best way to describe it, it's one thing for me to say something bad about you, it's another thing to blow your brains out with a gun. Right? In God's sight, it's both evil, 
but we know one has more consequence than the other in this world. That makes sense to you, right? So different levels, different devils. And so what's happening is Jesus is, encount- Jesus is addressing something. The disciples said, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus says this kind can only be cast out by prayer. Some versions say prayer and fasting. The point is this. Hey dudes, you need to ramp up your prayer life. You need to be drawing closer to God. You see, because not everything that happens in life is on your daytimer. You're not going to look at your uh, phone that's got your calendar and appointments on it and say, oh, God just says five years from now I'm going to get liver cancer. Or eight years from now my spouse is going to have an affair and walk out. Or four years from now I'll lose my job. Or next month my son's going to be in a fire and be disfigured. Or two months from now someone's going to rape and murder my daughter. Those things don't show up on your daytimer. We live in a fallen world. And Jesus says you have to be prepared. And the disciples couldn't handle it because they weren't prepared. They might have been casting out evil spirits in Jesus' name before, but it's one thing to do it in Jesus' name. It's another thing to be drawn closer to Jesus and embracing all that He has for you. Does that make sense? We understand that. That's important. Hey guys, you need to walk more closely with God. Because you're not ready for you weren't ready for that. So I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Can I give you a homework assignment? Here's your homework assignment. I want you to do six things. And they're all just today. They're just today. I'm going to ask you first to spend more time with God. Today. Just today. If you normally spend five minutes with God, spend ten. If you normally spend an hour and five with God, spend an hour and ten. Spend more time with God today. See, because today turns into tomorrow, and tomorrow turns into the next day. Do you know it takes six months to develop a habit, but two weeks to break it? Did you know that? Six months to develop a habit, but two weeks to break it. Which means if you care about somebody, and they're not in church for three straight Sundays, you need to call them. That's another sermon for another day. Second, I'm going to control my speech today. Today I'm going to control my speech. I'm not going to say the things that I want to say if they're not God-honoring. I'm going to control my tongue today. Third, husbands and wives. I want to ask you to love your spouse more today. Hey, I already love her or him a lot. Great, love her more. Love him or more. more. There's nothing him or her more. There's nothing wrong with that. Love him more today. Just today. If you have kids, whether they're adult kids or not adult kids, love your kids more. Love your children more. Today. I'm going to honor God in my work today. Whatever I'm doing today, whether it be work for my employer, work for my home, work in the church, I'm going to honor God in that today. And finally, which is the most important, 
I'm going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of the living God today. Today. I'm going to hand control of my life over to the Holy Spirit of the living God today. Why does this matter? This matters because if you're going to be ready for what's coming tomorrow, you have to prepare today. Nobody starts running a marathon, and you see by me, I'd never run a marathon. Nobody starts running a marathon without hydrating before, right? Or you're nuts, you're not going to make it. Jesus was telling His disciples, you weren't ready today, and you should have been. On February 10th, God is going to send numerous disabled children and their families to your church for the special needs prom, right? He's going to send numerous, right? I mean, lots. Praying for lots. In fact, I, 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 I um, was telling Josh, I'm praying that you're going to be overwhelmed with people because God can figure all that out. Don't wait till February 10th to be ready for them because you know what they need more than your facility? And you know what they need more than your food and drinks? You know what they need most of all? They need your love. That's what they need. Get ready now. Not just with your preparations, but in your heart. So when they come, you're ready that day. Which on that day will be today. Aren't you glad for this man in Scripture that Jesus was ready that day? You see, Jesus is always ready. And you can trust Him. Be ready for whoever God puts in your path. And remember, nothing is too big for the God who spoke the universe in existence. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. And we thank You for its truth. Its inerrant, everlasting truth. Father, we thank You that Jesus is real. We thank You that You offer salvation in Jesus. And I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, they would make that commitment today. And Father, for those of us that do know Jesus, we, forgive, we ask that You forgive us where we fail You. We resolve to recommit our lives to You. In the name of Jesus, Amen.